Uh, we're going to talk about rest today because it's Labor Day weekend, right? So as we think about, for many of us, hope we have that day off, and you think of what Labor Day represents, it's celebration of all of the labor movement and all of the workers that's happened over the course of, of the course of history, right, especially here in the United States of America. But part of that movement, if you really look into it, is a movement of reminding people that you need to rest. And biblically, we started that movement. Specifically, God started that movement with, yeah, you got to work, but you absolutely have to rest. And so we're going to talk about rest this morning for about the next 20 minutes. It's probably the only sermon I ever give you where I want you guys to fall asleep, okay? You guys should know something about me. People have asked me multiple times, what do you do when you look out and someone's asleep in the congregation? And I got to tell you guys, I'll just tell you right up front, it never bothers me in the slightest. Some guys get offended, like I had a boring message. The message might be a little boring that day, okay? But my thing is this. If someone comes into church on a Sunday morning and they're so tired for whatever reason, and this is the place where they find peace and rest, so be it. Sleep on. Because we need that. We need that rest. And so we're going to be talking about today. Now, before we get into it, I want to ask you guys a question. Are you resting enough? Got some shake? You got some, Yeah. All right, so show of hands, how many of you guys would say, I am resting enough? One, two, okay, so less than half, less than half. We had just over half the first service. So just over half matches the national average, okay? Turns out that many people are not resting enough. On average, it's recommended for adults we sleep between seven and nine hours every single day. Number goes up, obviously, for teens, and as you get younger, that number goes a little bit higher. But for adults, it should be between seven and nine hours a night. Turns out that 59% of us are doing that. So just under 60%, right? So about three-fifths of us are getting enough sleep, according to a Gallup poll that was done a couple years ago. What I think is really interesting about that poll is they've been doing this for a long, long time. And they've noticed that number hasn't changed over the course of the last few decades, And on average, in the United States, people get 6.8 hours of sleep every single night. That hasn't changed for decades. But in the 1940s, they were getting, on average, a whole hour more of sleep. They were really living back then, right? And I can imagine, right, coffee sales, way down. Energy drinks, non-existent, because they were resting a whole lot more than we are today. We are just simply not resting enough. And the Bible has a lot to say about this, believe it or not. The word rest shows up over 400 times in the Bible. If you're thinking about that word rest, you're thinking there's two different meanings of that, and you're absolutely right. And we're going to talk about both of those meanings this morning. But it speaks to rest quite a bit. And right off the bat, God gives us a really powerful example of rest, and he gave it because he did it. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. As you read this, you listen, you notice how repetitive, almost boring it is. You're like, I get it. God did a lot of work. And he's making a point here. All the work that God had done, it was finished, And so he rested. Now this is God. Think about it. God, the all-powerful. If God wanted to, he probably wouldn't have had to rest. 
Could have spent seven days creating any number of things. Imagine what would have showed up on day seven, right? But according to the word, he didn't need to. It was finished, the creating part, on day six. But there was one more step. There was one more thing that had to be done, and he did it. And so on day seven, God said, I'm going to rest, and I'm going to hallow it so that all of you guys do the exact same thing. So the all-powerful said, I'm going to rest one day a week, and I'm going to set it as a standard for all of you. And not just all of you people. He said the land itself. Land itself has to rest. Leviticus 25, 3 to 4. Six years you shall sow your field. Six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. Think about just driving around here when you see these fields, how many of them take that seventh year off. I've had the opportunity to talk to several farmers, people who work on the land about this. And it's interesting. I brought this up as kind of a gentle question. What do you do with that seventh year? And the response almost every time is a smile and a half laugh. And so we can't do that. We can't afford to do that. So how does that affect the land, right, if you don't give it that seventh year off? And they say, oh, we put nutrients and chemicals and other things into the ground so we can make sure to work it every single year, year in, year out. And maybe think of all the stuff we do to ourselves, all the stuff we put in ourselves because we're not resting enough. And the toll that probably has to take on the land and on us because we're simply not resting like God said, I told you to do. Now that resting, that word is Shabbat. If you've ever wondered about that word Sabbath, it's that somewhat awkward but very powerful Hebrew word. The word Shabbat means rest. Cease. Desist. Do nothing, in other words. And then it also means keep or observe, and I think that's a powerful part of the meaning. It means I want you to keep doing this. I want you to observe this. I want you to make sure that every single week you take a whole day off. And notice it's a day, folks. It's not just the morning. It's not just when you're at church. It's the whole day. So if today's your day, that means you rest all day long. Now for me, one of the ways that I have to do this is to take this little beauty and put it down. I don't know about you guys, but it is so much easier now to work because I've got this thing. And I love my phone. It gives me access to all this stuff. But there's a time and a place where I have to be like, okay, today, I'm done. No more email checking. No more notification popping up. No more accessing this, buying that, doing that. It's just got to be put down. And we need to rest. Close our eyes. Maybe look out the window. Take a breath. Cease, desist, and rest. Because there's a time and a place for absolutely everything. Now, what I love about it is there's a rhythm to it. Okay? So what I'm not saying to you today is just rest all the time, right? There's a whole other section of Scripture that addresses sloth and laziness, and that's not the answer. But when God designed everything, he designed it perfectly with this incredible rhythm. He says, for, for six days I want you to work, and then for one day, take the day off. Rest. Which means that if we're not resting enough, we are all out of rhythm. That's how I dance. That's how I sing, right? Completely out of rhythm. And most of us live this way because we're not resting enough. And God says, six days I want you to work, and on that seventh day I need you to rest. And if we don't do it, there's big consequences for doing that. I want to address anyone in here who's hearing this and is thinking, 
Now hold on a second. This doesn't apply when we're busy though, right? This is my busy season. School's starting back up, work's firing up, whatever it could possibly be. I don't need to do this now, right? Well, according to the Bible, you do need to do it now. Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. We've seen that before. Even in plowing time and in harvest time, you shall rest. So think about this. Even in the busiest time of the year, for those who are farmers and working on the land, when most of them are working 24-7, right? All day, all night, you can see the exhaustion in so many of them. God said way back then, yeah, even in busy season, you rest. In fact, I would argue, especially during your busy season, is when you need to rest. You need to take that day off and trust that you can do enough for the six days God's given you to work. Now, what might that look like? Rest for us might require some solitude. Jesus did this remarkably well. He would just take off on his own. He would go in the wilderness. He would pray and meditate and rest. And there's a powerful example of Scripture where he tells the apostles, I want you to do the same thing. Look at Mark 6, 30 to 32. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Think about this. We have an example here where the apostles have gone and done some things right, well, and they come back in and they check in. And I think if this would happen today, and they would have talked to most teachers or coaches or leaders, say, hey, good job. Now get back out there and do it again. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, you know what I think you guys need to do? I think you need to go take a break. I think you need to go be away from people for a while, and you need to rest. And Mark points out, many were coming and going. They didn't have time to eat. It's just completely hectic. And Jesus says, I want you guys to go take a break. Think about this. These apostles are going out doing good stuff, right? They're doing, they're teaching, they're help saving people. They're directing their attention to Jesus Christ. And in that time of rest, think of all the people they could have taught and saved. But Jesus knew very well that he didn't need them to go out and teach and save for a little while. They'd get to that. What they needed more than anything else in that moment was to rest. And when the rest is done, they'd be recharged and ready to go out and do and teach and save. And so you might just need to take that break. This is the way I think about it. Sometimes the most important thing you can do is nothing. And not all the time. That word sometimes is very important here, okay? But sometimes when you just feel completely overwhelmed and exasperated and done and at the end of your rope and exhausted, just stop. Rest, desist, take a break, and then get into that six days of work. But you might need to do nothing. That might be the most important thing you need to do right now. Now let's take it up a notch. Not only do you have to rest, not only do I have to rest, we're responsible for the rest of those near us. On Deuteronomy 5.14, it says, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, or your son or your daughter, or your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your town, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. This means that you and I we're responsible for those people in our household, 
are they resting enough? Or are we taking the day off and making them do all the work? And this is not just our households. This is your slaves, your servants, those working for you. So if you're in an organization where you're working, are the people working for you resting enough? Are the people working with you resting enough? Your animals themselves. Every single person around us, we're responsible for making sure they're resting as well as you and I are. Someone who considers himself a head of household of my house, I think about this. This is really convicting. Am I making sure that in my house we are resting at least one day a week? That's our responsibility. Now, implicit in rest is a really powerful idea I don't want you to miss. Implicit in rest is trust. That you rest, you cease, you desist, you take a break, you go to sleep, and you trust that God is on it while you rest. The Bible says if you don't, it is in vain. Psalm 127.2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. It doesn't say he gives productivity to his beloved. It says he gives sleep. And if you push it too hard and try to do it all ourselves, getting up early, staying up late, says it's in vain. It's actually going to be unproductive to do that. When we work too hard, it is unproductive. It is in vain. Think about it this way. What we need to say when we're done at the end of the day or the end of our task is this. I have done enough. You guys say that with me? I have done enough. That feel nice? Just to say, I, I, I've done enough today or in this moment or with this project or in this situation. I, I've done enough. And I'm going to trust that God's going to take it from here. He has got this covered while we rest. Now, like I said earlier, that word rest shows up over 400 times in the Bible, right? And so a lot of the time it's talking about ceasing, desisting rest, and the other time it's talking about this definition, rest as the remaining part of something. So examples here would be, are you going to have the rest of that? Or what are you doing with the rest of your holiday weekend? And that word is used over and over again in the Bible. When I think about that, it makes me remember the first definition because maybe the remaining part of you needs rest. Maybe the rest of you just needs to rest. Everything you're doing, everything you're thinking, everything you're planning, everything you're working for, maybe that last step is doing nothing. Rest, recharge, regenerate for those other six days of work. Now rest comes from God. And anyone who's tried to go to sleep and laying there at night and the sleep doesn't come, you know this. We can't go there on our own sometimes. God is the one who ultimately gives us rest. In 1 Kings 5, 4, we get a really powerful visual illustration. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There's neither adversary nor misfortune. So this isn't just a sleep. It's a protection. God says, I'm just going to give you rest. So you're not worried about enemies. You're not, people about, you're not worried about people coming to attack you or come to get you or your family. And God ultimately is the one who provides that kind of security, that kind of rest. Now what you have to know is if we've been talking about all these things you have to do, right, that you've got to rest, that means that by definition when you're not resting, you are disobeying God. Hebrews 4, 9 to 11. So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. 
Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one may fall through such disobedience as theirs. This is the New Testament. This is after the coming, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're told, yeah, that Sabbath rest thing, still in place, still got to do it. And if you don't do it, you're disobeying God. And who wants to do that, right? But think about it. We go seven days and you're not resting, you can fill in the blank. We're disobeying God if we're not resting enough. And if you don't rest, God will make you rest, okay? So you guys, most of us are familiar with Psalm 23. It's one of the most powerful, one of the most uplifting, humbling, comforting psalms. It's one of the most popular for memorial services and bedsides. It's a really powerful psalm. But I want you to just look at verse 2 this morning. Verse 2 of Psalm 23 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes me. It doesn't say God makes that green pasture totally perfect and appealing and enticing, so we just want to lay down. It doesn't say I did everything I wanted to do on my to-do list. I checked every box, so God said lay down. It says he makes me lie down. He makes me. He will sometimes just make you lie down because he knows what that's what you need to do. Now, when I say that, I have to address something that I've heard. I've been really blessed. I've never heard this up front in a church, but I've heard people say this. People have said that, well, you know, when pastors, when, when shepherds had sheep and they're running around in the pastures and they wouldn't rest, some shepherds would break the legs of their sheep to make them rest or to protect them. Okay, most of you are looking at me very strange, which is good. That means you have not heard this, okay? I've heard it, and it disturbs me every single time. Because people have looked into this and termed that as a likely a modern urban myth. No shepherd would go to their sheep and actively break their legs to make them rest or protect them. They don't do that. That's not going to happen. But there are way less severe ways to make us rest, right? And as a parent, I know this one well. You just hold. You just hold them. And with my kids... Sometimes that's the only thing I can do to make them or help cause them to rest. And you guys know what this looks like, whether it's your kids or grandkids or you've seen kids running around and you can tell the volume's going up and the speed is going up and the near crash is coming up. And you're like, it's time to stop. We're stopping this one. And you just pick them up and you hold them and the volume comes down, the heart rate comes down. And you say, it's time to rest. I think there's time God just does that to us. He's like, look, Hinchy, you need to calm it down. I'm just going to hold you right here, and you're going to mess. You're going to rest. Here's your green pasture. I am making you lie down. Now, that rest we can find is a rest we can find in the Lord. So not just a ceasing, a desisting, not just a protection from the outside. Maybe you can't fall asleep, but you just need a break. Matthew 11:28 28 says this, Come to me, all you that are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I hope you've heard this verse before, but I hope you realize the power of what it's saying. For this to work, you got to take your heavy burden off. This doesn't work if you come up and sit next to Jesus, and you keep that heavy burden right here. you got to give it to him. 
You've got to hand over whatever that burden is and say, I'm tired of carrying this one. And I don't know what that is for you guys. You'll notice in your outlines I've left a big blank. I would encourage you guys to fill that blank out. What's the, the heavy burden that you're carrying? The thing that's not done, the thing that's not fixed, the thing that you're worried about, write it in. And I would encourage you between now, you can do it right now if you want, or the end of the service, come right up here, fold that piece of paper over and put it at the foot of the cross and say, I'm done carrying this one. Jesus, this one's yours. I'm resting. You take it from here. One more illustration. Um, I never realized until I was a parent the ecstatic joy of having a child rest on you. I had uh, I'd seen it. You hear about it. But man, the first time your child falls asleep on you, with my daughter, I remember really young and you know, feeding them and they just fall asleep. My son to this day, see her first service and he put his head right here on my chest between services. There was a whole week that literally almost every day he put his head right here and he was out. And there was one day, probably tired and emotional, and I looked down and I saw his head and I, I heard his breathe and I thought, wow, you trust me enough that you're just sleeping on me. You know you're safe. You know I'm going to protect you. You know I'm not going to have anything happen to you. And you're just trusting me enough that you can sleep on me. And as I looked at him, I thought, how must God feel when we say, I, I trust you enough, God. I'm going to rest on this one. I'm going to lay my head on your ever-loving chest. You put your arms around me. I'm done for the day. I've done enough. You take it from here. And if you haven't done that, I would really encourage you guys to put your head on his chest and rest. We're going to take communion. I'm going to invite Brother and Elder Ray Knuth to come up. He's going to lead us in an introduction and a prayer before we all take communion together. Thank you for the opportunity to let me do this. And thanks for the sermon, Scott. That uh, This is my second time to hear this, and it's amazing how you can pick new things up or, or feel new things here in the same sermon, so thanks. So for me, rest and being at peace kind of go hand in hand. feel that uh, if you're at peace, let me start that again. When a person is not at peace, he's letting stress, worry, frustrations, and maybe even anger control your feelings and your thoughts. And when you're in that condition, it's, even, it's hard to rest sometimes. It's even hard to sleep. And that reminds me of a verse that many years ago was my memory verse, and for some reason I never could memorize it, but I know where it's at. It's 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, 
casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. There's been several people in my life that I've met that you just have this feeling that they are at peace. They have something that, that when you see that, you want it. And one of those people most recently was Mary Grace, that uh, I had the opportunity to visit her in her last few days, and you could tell that she was at peace. And that peace came from her strong faith. And when I ever think about Mary Grace, that's what I'm gonna remember most, is the peace that she had in her last days. And that brings me to Matthew 11:28 that Scott had shared earlier, 28 and 29, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So as we take communion, let us remember what we learned from Jesus. And in Luke 22, he said, he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. And lastly, it is through this, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that we are saved and that in the end, we too will find eternal rest. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank thee for the son that you sent that we may be saved. We thank thee for the promise that you gave us of eternal life if we believe in him. And we just pray that as we go forward that we will, every opportunity that we have, share this with the world so that others may be also saved. This we ask in your son's name.